0: Welcome to the Powerful Conversations with Powerful Women podcast. I'm your host, Claire Thomas. I'm on a mission to support women who feel stuck, unfulfilled and disempowered, have a successful, fulfilled, soul-led life. I guide women to reawaken their unique power. Whether we know it or not, we are all powerful women with powerful stories to share. Sit back, relax and be inspired by my powerful guests. Hi everyone and welcome to another powerful conversation with another wonderful, powerful lady. I have Anna joining me today. Anna, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and what you do.
1: Thank you, Claire. It's lovely to be here with you today and um, hello everyone that's watching and listening. Um, So my name is Anna Robertshaw. I'm a senior yoga teacher with Yoga Alliance Professionals. The reason why I say senior and then give my governing bodies because it's kind of like well you know putting it into context anyway so um, I've been teaching yoga now guiding people through their practice for um, over 13 years and I was mainly based in Kent and then I moved down to uh, Brighton Hove area last June. Um, I'm also a crystal bowl sound facilitator uh, sound therapist and a nada protocol ear acupuncturist so I suppose they're kind of like my my titles so to speak um, alongside also being
0: a mum and all the other wonderful roles that we play in life exactly yes and don't we just play very many roles in our lives so (laughs) (laughs) We we do yeah so how did you get on the journey of um, the yoga and then the the sound, the crystal sounds and the nidra? The nada, nada. Nada. Approach.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so I've got three boys. They're all in their late teens now. And I've always been sort of fairly into some form of fitness Mm -hmm. Um, and after I had my third boy George so I had three very close together I had three under the age of three and a half basically and after I had Georgie um, I think my body just went into a state of what's just happened and so I kind of hit a little bit of overwhelm Mm -hmm. Um, didn't feel myself Um, a lot of hormonal changes which I understand now Um, and Mm -hmm. at that point I went to the doctors and I just was struggling massively I was um, dealing with anxiety and I guess panic attacks low level although they seem to be getting sort of increasingly um, more intense so I went to the doctors and the doctor prescribed antidepressants and I took one and decided that it wasn't for me. Um, mm. I felt very disconnected and um, like I was looking at my, I was actually out in the garden with the boys and I felt very much like um, I was looking at them through a lens. So I embarked on a journey of um, sort of, Exploration of how that might look for me in reconnecting to myself again. And I decided to um, go down the route of homeopathy and yoga. Um, and actually, previous to that, so there is another sort of part of the jigsaw, which was um, I had very different births with each of mine. Um, and Georgie, I actually had an independent midwife um, and I had a home birth with him. Mm. And it opened my eyes to how incredible and empowering um, these sort of what can be deemed as medical journeys, um, naturally, we can become sort of embroiled in this kind of um, hospitalisation, if you like. And having sort of um, experienced that with Alfie and Joe, um, I decided to sort of, claim some of that back for myself. and it was really eye-opening and I learned a lot about my body and what we're capable of. and so anyway, I, I started doing yoga and homeopathy was incredible and yoga was the first sort of form of fitness that I'd done that really deeply resonated on all levels. and I knew that there was mm. something more to it. and I've always been sort of slightly out there in terms of open-minded, open-hearted, Um, and I sort of just delved ever deeper into an exploration of what that might look like for me and I felt very early on on that journey that I wanted to teach so um, I sort of did started doing my yoga shopping and there were a couple of close friends of mine at the time that were interestingly also just embarking on their yoga teacher trainings and um, so it was yeah it, it was an incredible sort of process and unfortunately um, in my exploration in sort of going deeper into my world then and what that looked like for me going forwards and I suppose you can call it like a, an evolution, a progression of how I wanted to be as a mum, as a woman. Bearing in mind I had my kids fairly young, I mean not not massively young but I was in my early 20s so kind of like my eldest is just 20 and I look at him and think, wow, you know, it was only kind of in three years' time that I was having him Mm. and still consider him a wonderful young man but still very young. So I suppose one could say that I didn't really know myself very well and so um, that was the beginning of my journey. And then my marriage, um, unfortunately, to the boy's dad um, ended and so uh it was sort of a, 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 yeah an exploration then of i don't know life as a as a single parent but i was very fortunate the boy's dad was was um co-parenting with me but um yeah i mean i look back now and i think my god i feel like i've had about six lives so far
0: <laughs> yeah i think um- it's really fascinating isn't it how um that moment of having children and the impact it has on not just our body but our mind as well is is so significant but there isn't really any women aren't given any preparation for it are they Mm -hmm. it's just kind of you know I happened upon um um hypnobirthing but that's cuz mm. I was already doing yoga and was kind of looking at those sorts of things at the time so I had sort of some sort of awareness but I still didn't know anything about what happened to what would happen to my body and mm. I think there's a lot of women who are kind of a little bit shocked by that
1: mm. well one at uh, 100% and you know what one thing I've learned um and and is becoming um more prevalent in the work that I do. I'm very passionate about it, getting people into their bodies. So I, call, you know, embody your body, well, what does that mean? And very early on, um, I was um, taken out of my body, uh, quite a young age. And through my own sort of investigation, I understand now why that was, but then um, I, you you know was into drink and drugs for quite a long time and so I suppose was using things outside of myself to self-medicate self-regulate and um, also birth control so I was sexually active quite early on I had a lovely first love we were together for sort of two years and um, you know I feel quite grateful that was my first sexual experience but I was probably on the pill from about 14 So, really, Mm. like looking back, I was, I've never actually until now really allowed my body to do what it needs to do. And one of the things that struck me in childbirth um, was very much, um, I didn't know how to trust and surrender into my body that it knew what it had to do and through my own fear and the inability I had at that point to um be in my body and really kind of inhabit my space yeah um, I stalled my own birth and I went yeah. into constriction and resistance yeah. and so with Alfie I had all the mode like all pain relief, epidural, Vontus, you know, everything. And um, and then actually, fortunately, with Joseph, he was so quick, almost didn't have time, I had a tiny little bit of gas and air, but interestingly, that took me out of my body and I didn't like it, and with George, nothing at all. Mm. But I do think, um, and funnily enough, kind of going back to the question that you first asked about my journey with the different modalities – all of these modalities that I now use the NADA protocol came into my life when my dad was terminally ill and my very dear friend um, Sarah was using the NADA protocol five points in the ear each ear um hits the sort of uh, main organs if you like um and she was using that to kind of keep me buoyant and my energy reserved for me while we were navigating that really challenging time. And, um, and fortunately, unfortunately, dad um, died. But what I also learned, bringing those two um, tales together, if you like, of, of my life so far was that um, childbirth was a release. And from what I could see, death was also a massive release. And, yeah. how, you know, all, all of these cycles that we go through in life, our cycles as women, probably cycles that men have, I don't know, I'm not a man, but, you know, and and how there's just this continuous kind of like, you know, wave like motion throughout all of our lives, and we're just continuously having to embrace this kind of these constant changes and
0: transitions
1: yeah. in ourselves, let yeah. alone what's happening, you
0: know, yeah. around us. Yeah. 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 I mean it's it's really quite um quite mind blowing. And I um that story when you're talking about the, the difference in your uh childbirths. I had a similar one because I had every intention of my eldest being a natural birth using hypnobirthing, etc. And you know, nature had other things planned for me. But it was fascinating how when um At the hospital, we changed midwives because I'd been there so long. Mm -hmm. And the second midwife came on and she was, oh, well, you can't possibly be in enough pain. Um, And you're going to have to go. We're going to have to start inducing you, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And my contractions just stopped. They just stopped. Yeah. Yeah. Because my body was like, I'm not doing this. I didn't feel safe. It's like, I'm not having it. So, you know, we had to actually, I had to get my husband to go and find the head midwife and say i'm really sorry but my i'm not letting my wife give birth with that lady in the room mm. because she doesn't have any empathy Absolutely. um and as soon as we switched back to somebody who was empathic and you know it was all fine again but my body knew mm. that it wasn't that wasn't right for to have this this lady there mm. um and then the second time around, like you, at, at home and very, very safe environment, um, I thought I might need paracetamol or something like that. Mm. Didn't even cross my mind in the moment. Um yeah. the and continu- it was just so natural.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the continuity of care. And I'm, I'm reminding myself, actually, how I was so passionate about my experiences um, and how each of the birds of my, my boys had been so different that, um, I went to on to create a group called birth choice group with, um, my independent midwife, a couple of, um, community midwives that mm. were within the NHS at that point, a birthing doula and another very dear friend of mine, um, who was also a couple of, uh, uh, the, um, oh, goodness, my brain, um, very famous group that set up in uh, in in local uh, a lot of families,
0: yes yes i oh, didn't I ever join it the one that, yeah yeah um yeah. Yeah.
1: so anyway there were lots of different yeah. um influences um and because again going back into the medicalization of these very natural processes birth and death um the, uh, the medicalization and therefore then the sterilization which is, is another theme um, but you know we, we set up this group because right from the outset I didn't even think about this but you know you find out you're pregnant the first thing you do is call your doctor up yeah but actually you don't need to do that like there's this whole wealth of knowledge and wisdom outside and then once you've called the doctor and you're in that and you yeah. you know you're, you're in that cycle you're like okay well now you have written. and this is your midwife and 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 you don't even know that there's a choice and I was like yeah oh you know my head was just blown by all this kind of like oh I do have some kind of like sovereignty over this you know process it's not just how it's done
0: yeah yeah that sounds that sounds incredibly empowering because I remember then at the at the other end when I'd I'd had Ruby that every different nurse that came around while I was still in hospital gave me a different piece of advice on how I how how often I should be breastfeeding, how to breastfeed, how often I should be mm-hmm. and I was like, my brain was like, I, I don't even know where to start with what you're telling me because yeah. that you're all saying something completely different. Mm-hmm. Um and it, when it came down to it, it's like, well just do what feels right then. Mm-hmm. Um you know and that seemed to work better yes i had some structure from books i'd read but mm. um i was so cross with the the you know mm. the contradictory advice i was being given by people that were supposed to be professionals mm.
1: and that's such a valid point because i do remember um at the time and i'm sure you're the same claire you know i think i'm a very intuitive person mm. and so you know mothering and taking care of my babies actually felt quite natural to me and i did you know none of them struggled to breastfeed and i swaddled all of mine and i mm. laid them on their fronts and i remember being worried about when the midwife would come over because it was the best way that they would sleep yeah and and um but i knew that i was going against the grain because i knew that we weren't allowed to do those things because apparently they weren't what was best for our children. But it's like with anything in life, you know, well, if we don't have our intuition and obviously there are plenty of people out there that don't trust their intuition or they've been told to, or they might not have that inner compass. Yeah. And so like you're saying, you know, when you're a new parent or something is new to you, and you're looking for answers and you're getting all of this different feedback, and this seems to be increasingly so I think in the world that we're currently living in, Um, where do you go? I mean, no wonder mental health is at its most alarmingly um, high, low, I don't know, um, you know what I mean. Like people are struggling with mental health because I think we – can have a tendency to just get a little bit lost in it all
0: yeah yeah and I think I you know obviously being a perimenopausal sort of age as well I think I feel like it's the same thing with all the advice and guidance around around that as well Mm. um and I'm not saying that none of the advice and guidance is is worthy or you know Mm. everything's everybody's different and makes different choices but at the same time it's like mm, you can spend a little bit of time trusting how you feel and observing and being aware of your body and different mm. sensations and moods and emotions and and those mm. sorts of things and actually that gives you provides you with a whole wealth of knowledge mm. that is better than you know going straight to the doctor and being put on a pill that you know maybe masks something else
1: mm. I, I agree and I you know what happens when we do sit you know, we, I, I, because I'm self-employed, I sometimes have periods or days which I choose to spend a little bit more time resting and then other yeah. periods are really busy. And, you know, sometimes it's in those quiet times when you just think, oh, okay, um, that's coming up or because we suppress, so much happens to us in our lives, yeah. day to day, week to week, month by month. You know, are we ever really able to process those things fully? Um, yeah. Do we make yeah. the time to
0: do that? Yeah, and i've I've been I've been experimenting with this um, over the last few months. Um, really going with how I feel on a particular day. On you know, and if I feel tired, I'll take a nap. And if I don't feel like I'm, I'll pick what I'm doing based on how I feel, or just do nothing. And I was thinking, it's really, I feel really privileged that I'm self-employed that I can construct my day around my moods Mm -hmm. but gosh all those people that are you know forced to be at their desks nine till Mm -hmm. five um how do you get how do you get them to have that same flexibility uh, when they're you know surrounded Mm -hmm. by men and women have been fighting for equal pay and equal Mm -hmm. roles responsibilities and positions at the table etc it makes it really really challenging if you start saying okay well but i you know today i'm just not feeling it so can Mm. i just sit there and it's Mm. really challenging really really challenging
1: i think as we've talked about um (coughs) before there are some real shifts that need to happen that again would take a lot of trust in a work environment you know uh the the higher echelons trusting their workforce and allowing some sort of time where people can take a bit of space to breathe because as we know when you're pushing the river and when you don't have the energy reserves like now I know I'm at my most optimum work-wise between the hours of like nine and two um I get up early in the morning but um I, yeah, like, you know, in my zone, ready to do my thing, and then sort of mid to late afternoon, probably not so. Um, yeah. And and I often think, okay, so if I was based in an office like nine to five, I guess, I don't know, some people probably go, no, I don't do that. But, you know, there's a lot of time spent at the desk. Maybe I remember my old office days, like doing some home admin, going to make cups yeah. of tea, going to stop have yeah. and chat you know yeah. and I wonder how much is actually really productive but people are just yeah. I mean I know there's tons of forward-thinking companies out there now where that's not the case and people get a lot more free time it's been a bit yeah. it's been a while since I've been in that environment but uh, yeah yeah
0: and it takes a, a while for the tide to turn on these things and at some you know every people have to try it people have to talk about it people have mm. to trust it try it um, and then at some point, there is a tipping point, isn't there, where it's mm. sort of suddenly it becomes the norm. But I don't think it's an it's definitely not an overnight thing. It's something mm. that I, I believe will gradually evolve. Um, and, you know, hopefully maybe the younger generations, it will be more instinctive for them than, mm. um, than it has been for, or easier for them than it has mm. been for, for us.
1: Yeah, I think so. I hope so. I hope so for them. I mean, even the old you know wearing a shirt and tie to work I mean I suppose there are some uh, industries where that's necessary or but you know it's like school uniforms I mean because nobody wears shirts and ties so much anymore you know I always used yeah. to be appalled at the fact that my boys had to wear office shoes to school I'm like they have to walk to school in those I mean, yeah. it's just not conducive to anything other than looking a particular way. And I do get that obviously there's an essence of making everybody the same. I see that there might be some value in that in some way, shape or form. But some of them are just silly. I, I don't know. Yeah. That's just me. But maybe we got off on a tangent.
0: <laughs> so tell me where where you see you've got your, your three key modalities that you work with at the moment. Do you see yourself... Adding to those or sticking with them and deepening them more? Um, I'm currently about to embark on a
1: training next year, which will take my movement modality ever deeper. Um, I love yoga and it will always be a foundation, but I feel now that I'm ready to sort of morph out of the poses and more into a state of deeper embodiment. And maybe for men too, probably um, in the first instance, mostly for women and incorporating sound with that. Um, So I'd like to refine more those three things rather than feeling like I have to keep training and doing more. The yeah. other thing is, um, I did a, a integrative art um, psychotherapy diploma at I eight in Islington um, a few years ago, and that was wonderful. And I wonder in time if I might perhaps go to university. I never went to uni, and um, you know, and, and get a, a psychotherapy degree. But we'll see. I don't know. These things are always out there. But really, what I'd like to do is travel.
0: Where, my, where would you go ride.
1: oh anywhere anywhere it's <laughs> not the UK <laughs> not that uh you know it's it's great I mean we're all feeling the squeeze right and it's a luxury now to uh be an independent person and you know have your own space and run your own car and um I'm feeling like from other friends that have made the move and stepped away from the UK, there might be a better way. Might be. Yeah, I'm not that's... saying the grass is greener. Um because I do think obviously, you know, we have to be sound and stable in ourselves. But it would be interesting. I haven't done much traveling. It'd be interesting to see what else was out there. So watch yeah. this space.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear you and um I'm definitely one that will probably be following um not necessarily the hot sun, but following yeah. at least more of the sunshine around the world um, yes. over the, the, the latter parts of my life, I'm sure, because, yeah. you know, I really, I really love traveling. I love that mm-hmm. immersion into different cultures and just observing the way mm-hmm. that you know, different people behave and interact. And I just, mm-hmm. I could sit somewhere abroad and just observe for hours. Mm-hmm, too. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, really good fun. Yeah. yeah. And and if I was an artist, absolutely. I would sit there and draw. Oh,
1: oh yeah. Oh, me too. <laughs> Amazing.
0: Yeah. 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 But not, yeah. An well, not an artist. You are an
1: artist. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah are. We're,
0: we're all an artist. Oh. We're, we've yeah. all got an artist in us somewhere. We, we do, definitely. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, oh, that's brilliant.
0: Yeah. So um I'm excited so, to see what happens. So, um, Tell us how people can follow you, get in touch with you, find out about the classes and courses and things that you offer.
1: Sure. So um, I'm Anna Robertshaw on all um, social media channels. Well, I say all. um, Facebook, Instagram, uh, my website, which needs updating, um, which will currently um, be updated very soon. I've got a couple of interesting projects in the pipeline which will um potentially see me a little bit more located back in kent fairly soon cool. which would be um which will be cool um and yeah i'm i'm looking at setting up or i'm about to set up a regular class in tunbridge wells so there'll be details of that on my website you can find me at various studios in tunbridge wells and in hove if you're based down in sussex i mostly teach hot yoga now um, and of course, I suppose it would be prudent to also mention um, Bluepool, which is a wonderful yeah. um, community um, that, Claire, I know that you're very aware of, um, you come along to. We meet monthly, the first Wednesday of every month. It's at the Tunbridge Wells Hotel. And it's the like-minded, like-hearted people, people that really want to connect to make change. And you can also find me there. So that's an opportunity for people like us to get together and share ideas um chew the cud and um yeah share what's going on in in the local area sort of in and around kent which feels really cool
0: yeah no it's awesome
1: feeling our car brilliant
0: yeah exactly exactly so thank you so much for for coming along and chatting with me today and i've really really enjoyed it and it's really fascinating to hear Mm -hmm. your experiences so thank you I really appreciate your time and yours too thank you Claire lovely to see you and you my pleasure thank you for listening to this powerful conversation your support is greatly appreciated so please follow the show I'd love you to like comment and share this episode with anyone that would get something from listening to it We are all powerful, so if you would like to share your story, please send me an email to claire at reachingmybest.com or click on the link in the show notes. Live and love powerfully right now in this moment.